I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. We are back on the podcast airways, temporarily at least. Just kidding. We are back. And I'm sitting across the table from Guard Dog Steve, and we are ready to podcast. Yes, and the first thing we need to do is probably apologize for last week's podcast getting out so late. We had a major battle with Podbean, the company that hosts our podcast. They did it to us again, just like they did six weeks ago. They said we weren't paid up, and we were, and they cut us off. And they did that six, seven weeks ago, and then they did it last week again. And we didn't get the podcast out on time, but we fought and fought and fought. for. I mean, I was just exhausted by Sunday when I finally got it turned on. And we could have easily turned it on. All we had to do is push a button. We just had to have the funds in the bank for the button to to be able to push the button. And it just lets you realize what a shoestring budget we're on. We're, we don't have any money to do this. So this podcast is getting out by the grace of God. Because we're just sitting in a garage hoping and praying that it does. So... If you guys can get the word out and and help us grow, it would be much appreciated, much appreciated, because we're doing this with no money whatsoever. And not much tech savviness. And that's the worst thing. It's just no tech savvy at all. Sometimes I feel so dumb when I'm using the computer. I I feel like I I shouldn't be doing this podcast. I, I... don't have the proper degrees or what it takes, the credentials that it takes to be a Bible podcaster. It caused both of us to do a lot of self-introspection, which is not good because our self-introspection was going against scriptures that we know to be true, scriptures that we use to comfort other people give other people hope that like for example God chooses chooses the weak to confound the foolish to confound the wise the weak to confound the strong the things that are not to nullify the things that are one of them that really I, I have to read it like three or four times 
talking about First John two twenty seven that it says that you need not that any man teach you, but you received an anointing from the Father, and this anointing teaches you all things, and it teaches you to the message of guardians of grace: remain, abide, depend, trust on Him. It teaches you to abide in him, just like Jesus said, abide in me, I'm the true vine. Abide in me and I'll abide in you and you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you bear nothing. And that is what the Holy Spirit teaches, ultimately. That was verse 27, 1 John 2.27. Let me read you 1 John 2.20. Okay. I'm going to read it in the King James. Okay. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Uh, The other ones are an anointing. But you have an unction. I like that word. What is the function of Of the unction? Yes. (laughs) Unction, unction. What's your function? I said it. Yeah. My cheap joke for the day. But it says you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things that word know remember that it can the word know can be from the Greek word gnosis but it can also be from the Greek word edo to to see see to see and that's the one it is it says you see all things and in context it's talking about people that left them went their own separate way but it says but you have a an anointing from the Holy One and you see all things and then in 226 it says 227 it says but the anointing or unction which you have received and you didn't you didn't gather this together it was just just like it says in 1 Corinthians 1 and you receive this spirit that's not of the world but the spirit that is from God so you can freely discern all things. Yeah, but do you have that you did not receive? Exactly. And since you received it, why do you act as though you earned it? Right there in First Corinthians again. But it says, The anointing which you have received of him remains in you, and you need not that any man teach you. I'm not making that up. It says, You need not that any man teach you teach you but as the same anointing teaching teaches you of all things and is true and is not counterfeit and even as it hath taught you to abide remain in him it's the John 15 teaching yes abide abide in the vine remain in the vine and when Jesus says abide in me he's he's saying abide in the power that i generate and i will abide in you i will generate power in you the phrase has meaning do this in the spirit oh foolish galatians after beginning in the spirit by the spirit's power are you now trying to attain the goal of the christian life through human effort in your own power? Do you see how that phrase gets its its weight? 
doing something in the spirit is the opposite of doing something in your human strength. It's using the power of God. And that's what it says in 1 John 2, 27. The anointing teaches you to abide in him. It brings up the, the point that we're not trying to make where it says you need not that any man teach you but you have an anointing and we're not saying don't don't listen to the podcast anymore you have an anointing (laughs) (laughs) and and it's not saying don't go to church in in Hebrews it talks about don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together it's actually epi sunagay meaning epi is superimposed or the same thing here the the anointing sunagay the how do you say it? A spirit-filled sunagay. Make sure where you assemble is spirit-led, spirit-filled, spirit-taught. That's what it is. Spirit-filled synagogue. A synagogue yeah. full of spirit-filled people. Not a human-driven synagogue. That could attract large volumes of people. Yes. But make sure you don't forsake the epi-sunagay, the, the spirit-filled congregations. Make sure you listen to the spirit-filled, spirit-dependent podcasts. And like it says, when you're not listening to a counterfeit spirit and you are listening to the true anointing, it's going to tell you to abide in Christ. That's why it says later on in 1 John that If you don't say Jesus has come in the flesh, you're not of that spirit. That Jesus has come inside the person to do for the person what the person can't do for himself. That's what he said. Jesus says, I'll go away. I'll send you the helper in John 16. And the helper will do a couple of things and maybe we should look at look at those yeah it's exactly in the context of first john 2 27 the anointing teaches us in john 16 he's going to teach us three things want me to read them that that would be better let's get it all in context okay for if i do go away we're talking about john 16 17 the helper shall come to you but if i go i will send him to you and he when he comes will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me and concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you no longer behold me. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, 
and he will disclose to you what is to come. The first issue I want to tackle is when Jesus says, I shall send the Spirit to you. And when he comes, I just want you guys to have the right mental picture when he comes because he's not coming as a judge to convict you and throw you into prison. He, he was coming 50 days later on the day of Pentecost, and he was presenting the gospel to people. They were believing it, and he was entering those people. They were be- becoming impregnated with the Spirit of Jesus. They were being born again or born from above, but they were born from above because of the conviction that they had at that moment. He says, because you don't believe in me, you're convinced that if you're not using my power, the sin, because it's singular, the sin, the sin nature will dominate you and you will not live like you would want to. So it convicts you of sin because you're not believing in him. It convinces you that the sin will get you because you're not believing in Jesus. You're not putting your confidence in Jesus to do for you what you can't do for yourself. Yeah, it's important to see it is a singular sin, the sin, which can be all the way back to the garden. The sin is not depending on God's life, but depending on your own knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of that, good and evil. That's the sin of Gen- Genesis. The, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is depending on your flesh, a picture of depending on your flesh. The tree of life is de- is a picture of depending on Jesus. Yes. The Holy Spirit's life in you. And if we don't understand these fundamental truths that the Bible has been pounding on us from Genesis on over and over and over again, then we won't grab this passage in its proper contest because First off, we have to see that in context, he's talking about the Holy Spirit will come on the day of Pentecost as the helper. That's what he said. I'll send the helper to you. He's the one who helps you live the Christian life. So the first thing he's going to do is convince you that you don't want to live the human driven life or the sin life, but you want to live by what the Holy Spirit teaches. You have this anointing, it is real and not counterfeit, and as it is true, it teaches to abide in Him. This is what we're talking about when we're... So in John 16, he says the Holy Spirit, when He comes, meaning He hasn't come yet, that's the day of Pentecost, and then in 1 John 2, 27, it says you have received already the anointing that means the spirit did and now that 
that spirit did, did come. And 1 John 2.27 says it teaches you all things. Jesus said when he comes, he will teach you about three things, which John calls all things. And they are what? Uh, righteousness. Sin, righteousness, and, and judgment. So the first one was sin. And that's maybe the most important because the sin in context, I know Steve already said this, but I'm just reiterating it. The sin is depending on yourself. Yes. It's the simplest way to, to put it. He will convict you when you're depending on yourself of the act that you're depending on yourself. How much you're falling short, the glory of God. The That's the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. Yeah. And what did the tree of, what was there? They hid because they were exposed. They were naked. Their sin was exposed. Yeah. They were convicted of their sin. But then it goes on to say, and concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer behold me. Meaning, after I die, three days later I'll raise, 50 days after that, I will ascend into heaven and shed my blood on the altar and give you the gospel that you accept by faith that I did an eternal redemption that paid for the sins of everyone and made everyone righteous. And that is the Spirit's ministry, if you can believe this. In 1 Corinthians, it says the ministry on the tablets of stone was the ministry of death. It was the ministry of condemnation. But the ministry of righteousness was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The same thing it said in Hebrews 10. And the Spirit says, this is how he convicts you of righteousness. Your sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. Jesus went to the Father and made you righteous, even though you have a bad day. And when the tree of the knowledge of good and evil convicts you, when your conscience convicts you, when the law convicts you or the pulpit convicts you of just how wretched you are, the Holy Spirit comes in and says, no, you're righteous because Jesus went to the Father and took care of your sin debt obligation and you are righteous in the Father's eyes. Amen. Remember, the word righteousness means that you've kept the covenant complete. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, it says, Do not think I came to destroy the law and the prophets, but I came to fulfill them, and not one jot or tittle will pass away until all is complete. That word until doesn't mean forever and ever and ever. It means until this happened. When Jesus, Jesus was the until, when he lived his perfect life under the law, went to the cross, died for our sins, and as you mentioned earlier, Steve, he shed his blood, he presented his blood. Blood speaks of life. The life of a person is in the blood. He presented his perfect, righteous life. So now the Holy Spirit will convince you that you lit, lived a perfect, righteous life. In, in God's eyes. In, from the substitute life of Jesus. 
you get credit for living. You get credit for keeping all six, six hundred fourteen, thirteen, yeah, thirteen or fourteen. Yes. If it had been six hundred and fifteen, you'd have, you you'd kept, kept that one too. Yes. He will convict the world of sin, and he'll convict us of righteousness, or convince us that we are righteous because he went to the Father and presented our life as his life, and we got it the A+. And then there's one more, I believe, right? Yes, and he will convict concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. What does that mean? I think we should look into it. I think it we're painting a picture of, so we have a good mental image of what we're talking about. Number one, he was thrown out of office. He was judged and thrown out of office. He was the ruler of this world. Remember, can be found in Romans 7 as the sin master, the sin which controls me and makes me do what I don't want to do and not do what I do want to do and makes me do the very evil that I hate. This person who is contained in the flesh was baptized into Christ's death. Romans 6, don't you know that all of us have been baptized into Christ's death? That sin guy was buried through the body of Christ in God's eyes. Then Christ rose from the dead, but the sin guy stayed in the grave. In Colossians chapter 2, calls that the circumcision made without hands. In the circumcising the body of flesh away from the spirit, the new man. When Jesus was raised from the dead, everything that we don't like about ourselves, like the ruler of this world, everything that we don't like about ourselves was left in the grave. It was judged as unworthy to come out of the grave, and it was left there till the end of time when it will raise up and be thrown in the lake of fire. All those people, all those old bands of us will be thrown in the lake of fire. And the Spirit causes us to understand that truth. The truth contained in Colossians chapter 2, where it says you've been circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, not in the removal of the dirt, but the circumcision of Christ, and then it goes on to say the circumcision done by baptism into death, done by being put in the grave, done by Jesus being raised from the grave, and that's when the circumcision happened. That is the judgment that we are talking about. In other words, if we're trying to get a mental image of the judgment, we're trying to get a mental image of what happened in the grave to the sin guy, the ruler of this world. And another aspect that, to point out is you were just reading in Romans 6 that don't you know that you, all of us who were baptized into Christ, identified with Christ, were 
identified with his death. We were buried with him through Christ. And then we were raised again. And then it says right in there in, I think it's 6, 7, for the one who has died has been acquitted from all sin. Now, the word acquitted, I believe, is 180 degrees opposite of the word convict. It sure is. So he will convict the world of sin because they believe not in Jesus has to be understood in that context. You can't be held guilty if you're acquitted. acquitted, And you can't be tried again. Even our law system has that rule. Double jeopardy, I think it's called. So for the Holy Spirit to come back to convict you of sin that you've been acquitted of, not be a ministry, that would be a contradiction of the finished work of Christ. So you've been set free. You've been acquitted from all sin. Can you read that again in 16? The three things he's teaching us? Yes. I will send the Holy Spirit to you. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin because they do not believe in me and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer will behold me and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged past tense. So the three things he teaches us were not able to be known until the day of Pentecost. It says, I've got many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. In other words, in order to just comprehend what we are talking about, the helper has to help us comprehend it. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, We have been given the spirit that is not of the world, but the spirit of God so that we can search even the deep things of God for who knows the thoughts of God except the spirit that is within him. And that is the spirit that we received. We use the spirit to comprehend the Bible in these words. This idea that I always had was that when I received the Holy Spirit, I would have this constant conviction of sin. Sins, plural. Meaning, that's a sin, that's a sin, that's a sin, that's a sin. Mm-hmm. And, and that is actually the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. To say the, the Spirit convicts you of sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Say that again. Yes. Yeah saying that the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin, and I know this is a big bubble burster because it is talked about so much in modern day Christianity. The Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. Let the Holy Spirit convict you of sin. Pray that the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin. On and on it goes. That's actually the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit found in Matthew chapter 12. Maybe I should look at it. Yeah, we we should. Let me say one thing before we do. There is a conviction of sin, but where is it coming from? Four different places. Yeah. You you go ahead. 
uh, one that's easy to understand, everyone's familiar with the John 8 about the woman caught in adultery. And it says that when Jesus said, cast he who's without sin, cast the first stone. And it says one by one, they walked away, their conscience convicting them of sin. Now, conscience convicts you of sin. Yes. Conscience convicts you of sin. And your conscience comes from the tree of the knowledge of of good good and evil. evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil convicts you of sin. And one way we know it wasn't the Holy Spirit because the next chapter, chapter 9, says the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. given. So it wasn't the Holy Spirit that convicted them, and it clearly said it was their conscience. It was their conscience convicting them, and we know what their conscience was on. It was on Moses. Moses said, Moses is a representative. When, when you of say Moses, yeah. To say the law is, to say Moses said is to actually say the the law says. And when they were saying the law convicts her of sin, they meant the law judges her and pronounces a death sentence on her. That was the real, that was the opposite of acquits. That was convicts judiciously. And it did. The law. Yes. Under the law, the woman should be stoned. stoned. Right. Death without mercy to anyone. The law of Moses says death without mercy on anyone. Now I can't remember. Death without mercy on the count of two or more witnesses. Yes. For, for anyone that sets aside the law of Moses. That was the thing. Good. Perfect. Anyone that sets aside the law of Moses, death without mercy. Yes. What were they trying to get Jesus to do? Set aside the law of Moses. But he did. He said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Have at it. Yes. So clearly it was their conscience by the law. The law convicts our conscience. Yes. Anyway, go ahead. Um, Okay. So we were going to go to Matthew chapter 12. Let me start off in maybe verse 24. That's Matthew 12, 24. But when the Pharisees heard what Jesus had done, they said, this man casts out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And Jesus says, if a kingdom is divided against itself, it's laid to waste. And on and on he he said, he says in verse 31, Therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. And whoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever shall speak against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? 
for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man out of his good treasures brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of his evil treasures brings forth what is evil. And I say to you that every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render account for it in the day of judgment. And get a load of this. By your words, you shall be justified and by your words, you shall be condemned. Not or by your words condemned. You are justified and condemned. You are justified and condemned by your words. And he says, make the tree good and its fruit good. Make meaning, make Jesus good and the fruit of his spirit good because he is the good man. There's only one good man and that is God because Romans 3.10 says there's no one good. No, not even one. There's no good man. The good man is inside of you and his fruit is good. It's the Holy Spirit. And when you're saying the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin instead of convicting you that you're righteous, you're lying about what the Holy Spirit does, and that is blasphemy. And when you're taking credit for what the Holy Spirit did through you, instead of giving the credit to the Holy Spirit, saying it wasn't me who who was acting kind all day today, it was the Holy Spirit in me acting kind all day today, then your treasure does not burn. And that's why Jesus could say, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, if you take credit for what the Holy Spirit does, you will be judged not only in this present time, but also in the time to come. When in 1 Corinthians 3, it says the fire will test each person's work to see what was done by the Spirit and what was done by human effort, and the human effort burns, that is where you're not forgiven in the coming age. It's You're not rewarded in the coming age. So blasphemy of the Holy Spirit literally means you don't receive your rewards. That's the judgment that you get when you take credit for what the Holy Spirit is doing through you. When you give the Holy Spirit credit, you store up treasures in heaven. The good man out of his good heart stores up treasures. And who is he? He's the good man inside of you, not you. And when you take credit for what he did, you lose your treasures in heaven. That's the judgment. So saying that the old man did good things is a loss of reward. Yes. But saying the good man does bad things is blasphemy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in the First Corinthians 3, I, I would point out that it says he himself will be saved, but he loses his that, all the rewards. That is why it says 
by his words he will be condemned and by your words he shall be justified because he himself will be saved as yet through fire because the words that Jesus spoke through him causes him to be justified. So he does a whole lot of learning. On that day. Yeah. Yeah. He learns that he was not the source of all the good action. The whole universe learns that God was working through each and every person on the planet causing them to do the good things that don't burn up, the good things that last, and not the things that turn out to fall apart. Either, you know, when your grandchildren are born, the thing you do now causes trouble for your grandchild or whatever. Those things were done through human channels. But That's the other done, thing he learns. That it was no longer, it was never him sinning, but it was the sin in him, li- living in him. Yeah, yeah. And what holds up through the annals of time, everybody on the planet will find out when the Lamb's Book of Life is read. The Book of the Life of the Lamb, the biography of the life of the Lamb is read, and it says, and Jesus did this through Bill, and Jesus did that through Steve, and Jesus did this other thing through Bill. You'll get credit for those things and store up treasures for yourself in heaven. Now, I know what we've spoken about in this podcast is a lot to chew on. Yes. Literally gives you different ways to look at things your traditional view had painted a picture of. We're bursting bubbles. We are making new pictures from those traditional pictures that we had. I I know that there are traditional pictures in your mind that could possibly make the scriptures of no avail meaning the the scriptures don't do anything for you because this traditional thought is so prevalent in your mind that it drowns out the scriptures. But my challenge to you is see if those were not scriptures we were looking at and see if they didn't help us interpret each scripture. See if they don't go together to make a picture that is not the traditional picture that you hear but nevertheless you tell me it was definitely biblical because that's all we did today was point to verses so take the Berean challenge in Acts 17 the Bereans were considered noble because they listened to what was said and then they searched the scriptures to see if these things we're true. We did First John two twenty, First John two twenty seven, and then we went into John sixteen, and they all talk about the Holy Spirit and what He will do, and how He's everything you need for life and godliness. And read them and see if, and ask the Holy Spirit to to show you and teach you if this if these things be so. And ask yourself. Do the ways in which these scriptures were looked at, do they line up with what is now the new covenant? 
because God said, I'll make a new covenant in you and I will put my spirit in you and cause you to live an exemplary life. That's the new covenant I'm going to make with you. I'm going to be inside you and do it for you and your sins and lawless deeds. I never remember anymore because I took care of those way back in the past. See if what we're talking about in these scriptures, go over the podcast a couple times and see if they don't line up with that new covenant idea. And the word, we talked about it last week, the word accountability, it is basically the same word as guilty. You'll be held accountable for that. The only time the word accountability is used by Paul is when he says the law was given to hold everyone accountability. Accountable. Accountable to sin. To say that the Holy Spirit, who will acquit you of all sin, will also hold you accountable is the equivalent of hiring a defense attorney and the first words out of his mouth is, Your Honor, he's guilty. Right. Right? It doesn't make sense. It, it he, doesn't. He's either the paracletus, the one that called alongside to help and acquit you of all sin, or he's your adversary that wants to hold you accountable. He, he's your prosecutor. Right. And in First John chapter 2, it calls him an advocate, not an adversary. Yes. So you, if you go to court, you can't have a defense. The defense attorney can't be the same guy as the prosecutor. No. You would not get a fair trial. No. It would be a massive confusion is what it would be. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we're asking you to look at these scriptures, let them do all the talking, and see if these things be so. So with that said, let's just, you want to close us in prayer, Steve? Do you want me to? It would be a pleasure. Father God, help us to understand that there's only one good tree, and that's you, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, and your fruit is good. Help us to make the tree good and its fruit good, for the tree is known by its fruit. You're the good in us, and like Paul said in Romans 7, I know that not one good thing dwells in me that is in my flesh, for the willingness to do good is there, but the doing of good is not. We are not the good man that brings forth good treasure. And if we take credit for that, we've got a problem with the Spirit. And our works will burn. The, the words, those words will be condemned. If we say the Holy Spirit did that through me, those words will be justified. Remember it said in John 12, 36, every careless word that men speak, they will render account of in the day of judgment. You'll be justified and also condemned by your words. The words that give credit, Lord, to the Holy Spirit cause everybody to speak. Speak through them, Lord, because that's what it says. The anointing testifies of him, of God, and testifies of God getting the job done. So it's in your holy name, I pray, Father, 
And I just want to say to you guys, good night, that we love you. We love you. Good night, you guys. Thanks for listening.